Ion 2020, episode 96. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, the source that you come to Monday through Friday for all the news and those related events that are uh, happening with regards to this 2020 election. I take everything from a libertarian standpoint. You guys know that already because you keep on listening, right? And you keep on coming back to hear me every single day. Uh, about the things that are going on, I try to bring you guys issues, I try to bring you guys news events, and uh, most importantly, I try to bring you guys a clear perspective on this 2020 election because you can get washed up in the mud, you know, you can get um, you get stuck in the the stinking thinking of socialism and things like that, and uh, I don't want you guys to do that, I want you guys to think in the, in the terms of libertarian ideas, because you know, there are some enticing things about some of these candidates, like a Tulsi Gabbard who's anti-war, vehemently anti-war. Uh, she is a pro-peace candidate, and, you know, we like her. And I heard people talking about it the other day. They're saying that uh, Ron Paul has endorsed Tulsi Gabbard, but that's not really true. He's, I think what he said is that she's probably the best candidate out there on the Democratic side, uh, but not <laughs> way short of an endorsement. I mean, I don't think Ron Paul typically endorses anybody uh, just because usually they don't go along with his ideals and I mean, he's a very libert very libertarian leaning republican but he's also you know way out there in terms of uh the way that the other republicans think he's the one that you know the the lobbyists would never come to his office because they knew that they weren't going to get anything through to this guy because he was you know he had a standard that he's that he bore and he you know, held true to that constitution, he held true to his libertarian ideals, and that's just the way he was every day, so I don't think that he was really out there endorsing her by any means, I don't think, I mean, I think I listened to that episode on the Liberty Report, and it didn't seem like an endorsement to me, but she definitely is a good candidate on those particular issues, but don't get, you know, don't get stuck in the mud with her on that, just because she is anti-war doesn't mean, you know, the the domestic ideas that she has would be terrible for this country. She's a Bernie Sanders socialist, essentially, when it comes to her domestic policy. Now she's outspoken on the wars, and that's great. And the reason why I like her and the reason why I ended up, like, actually donating, like, $1 to her campaign was just so that you can have that extra person on the debate stage that's going to bring up the anti-war policy. That's going to be an outspoken voice for uh, the anti-war movement, anti-interventionist movement, and so forth. And she's a soldier, so she can really speak to that from a uh, from an author like from an author have authority on that particular issue. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh, but 
Yeah, I'm going to be out here Monday through Friday making sure that you guys have all of the news and related events that you guys need for the 2020 election because that's, you know, that's what I'm here to do. That's what I really enjoy doing. That's why I started the show back in January and I've been doing it ever since then. Now, the thing that I wanted to talk about today was a I found out that there is another candidate getting in on the on the Democratic side. Another candidate. That's right. So I think we have 22 candidates on the Democratic side right now that are running, that have officially ran, decided to run. And this particular guy is uh, Montana Governor Bullock. Uh, he jumps into the crowded White House race. That's what Fox News said. And this is from uh, Tuesday, actually. And I just kind of came across it today. It's saying, touting his ability to pass a progressive agenda in a conservative state, Democratic Governor Steve Bullock of Montana announces candidacy for president of the United States to get the Democratic nomination. Uh, Steve Bullock, he, yeah, so Montana is definitely a very conservative uh, state, and he's also a two-term governor of that state. And he's able, it says that he's been able to pass a progressive agenda in a conservative state. So what I'd like to see is just how progressive his gen- agenda is, right? Um, I've never even heard of the guy. Montana's a very small state on the national level, but you know what? When you look at the guy, he's a uh, he's a white guy, right? And he has like uh, he kind of has that Bill Bill Clinton politician charm, I guess. From what I see, I mean, you listen to him talk; it's very similar. Uh, he'll have that Bill Clinton charm, and you know that might win over some voters. Who knows? I mean, people vote for candidates that look good. They vote for candidates that they can put their trust in, and somebody like that, maybe they'll be able to find a way to put their trust in the guy. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's he's he's running, and it says Bullock won re-election to a second term in 2016 at the same time as President Trump carried Montana by 20 percentage points. So a Democratic governor gets re-elected when President Trump won by 20 points. That's a, that's that's amazing that he was able to do that. So they must really like him. Maybe he does have a conservative-leaning uh, feel to him as well. Who knows? That's probably what the case is. But he's, they're talking about him having a pro- progressive agenda in that state. Maybe progressive on the level of how conservative Montana is, though. Who knows? So he says, I don't have the luxury of just talking to people who agree with me in Montana. Uh, I go all across our state's 147,000 square miles. So he's trying to make it sound like it's a huge state, which it is. We all know that. Montana's gigantic, right? Um, but he's not able to say, like, go go across and talk to our millions upon millions of people that live here. So he has to use 147,000 square miles and look for common ground to get things done. That's how I was able to bring Democrats and Republicans together to fight dark money and pass one of the strongest campaign finance laws in the country. I'm not sure what that campaign finance law is that he passed, but you know, it's good to get the dark money out of these campaigns. That's true. Uh, but I mean, people have the right to, do- to donate to who they want to, in my opinion, also. So, I mean, I'm not sure if you're going to use the federal government, the strong arm of the federal government or the strong arm of the, sta- strong arm of the state government in order to, you know, force somebody not to be able to donate to who they want to, um, you know, maybe... I don't know. If I'm a candidate, I'm going to publish who's donating to my campaign and uh, not, you know, that that's how I think if you had a free market within this whole situation of, you know, campaign finance and so forth and 
you know, candidates now they publish, I guess, who is donating to their campaigns, but that could happen on the free market as well, because if the candidate that, you know, is the most transparent is going to get a lot of people that maybe would follow them because of that transparency as well. Um, so anyway, Bullock becomes the latest Democratic candidate in the historically large field that is now well past 20 White House contenders. I think it's like 22 right now, maybe even 23. It's really hard to keep track. And I am Ion 2020, right? This is Ion 2020. And I have a hard time trying to keep track of all of these Democrats. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, I have 95 episodes before this one. And... I've tried to keep, do a show on all of the front runners specifically, and I'm going to start doing, you know, a second show on each of these front runners at some point as well. I think, but I mean, it's just amazing that these, how many people are running on the Democratic ticket right now? It's really hard to, really hard for me to keep track. So he said, it says right here in the article, in an interview with Fox News last summer, Bullock stressed that the law had reduced the percentage of those uninsured. Okay, so they're talking about a progressive item that he so they're talking about a progressive item that he has within his state so, so the previous paragraph says the governor also spotlighted that he worked across the aisle in a state where republicans dominate the legislature to pass another progressive item medicare expansion in an interview with fox news last summer bullock stressed that the law had reduced the percentage of those uninsured in montana from 20 percent to seven percent last week bullock signed a bill to extend the program another six years Nothing is noting his humble beginnings. The governor said in his video that I never thought I'd be running for president raised by a single mom. We struggled just to get by. So let's go ahead and uh, hit up his campaign website if he has one. I'm going to go ahead and look that up right now just to see because uh, I'd like to see what his positions are going to be. Um, but you know, he's trying to tout himself as a progressive, but. That's what I'd like to see is if, if, if his policies really are progressive because the article that I'm reading on Fox News doesn't really talk about what his campaign campaign's going to be about. If he's going to be running on Medicare for all, if he's going to be running on Medicare for some, or if he's going to be running on you know, fixing Obamacare, where, where is he really progressive? That's what I want to find out because progressive is now a term that you would never hear it, you know, back in 2008, 2012, you'd never really hear progressive. I think you'd hear um, Hillary Clinton back then say, I'm a progressive. And that was like a new thing for someone to say, this is 2015, right? 2014. I'm a progressive is what she would say. But the term progressive was really a blacklisted term for almost a century because of the 19 you know late 1800s early 1900s the way that the progressive agenda was back then but now they all you know are touting themselves as the most progressive uh person so if you really get into what the progressive movement was there was a lot of racism within that movement and so forth back in the 1910s and 20s um but now it's looked at as, you know, you're the most liberal person out there. You're the one that's going to, you know, use the government to forward progress and so forth. That's what they're trying to think, talk about. So Steve Bullock, is he a progressive? I'm going to go ahead and hop onto his website, if he has a campaign website, and see. So as of right now, I can't really find anything. Uh, I've been looking and looking and looking. I can't really find anything on the uh, on his specific uh, campaign website right now. I did find something on 538.com, and it's just talking about uh, how he's gonna, how he would be able to win the White House, and this is what it says. Um, 
It says, uh, let me find it. I'm sorry. Uh, Governor, Governor Steve Bullock announced Tuesday that he's seeking Democratic nomination for president. And even though he is relatively late in joining the race, he is, according to our research, the 19th candidate to qualify for the first two debates this summer. So he's also qualified for the debates. Well, so he has a 1% approval rating, I think, or he has the um, 65,000 individual donors. So, so far he has qualified. That's amazing that he's already qualified within you know, a couple of days of announcing. Bullock started off as an underdog, though perhaps less than one, less than, less of one than some of the other non-name brand candidates to join the race in recent weeks. That's because Bullock may have a good strategy for winning voters over. In a May 8th tweet, he said, as the only Democrat to win statewide re-election in a Trump state in 2016, I know first hand what to do. And then he says, we must reach out to rural voters. In this message, this message might resonate. As we know from polls, many Democratic voters think it's a very important consideration to nominate a candidate who can beat Donald Trump. And as a white man, Bullock may benefit from perceptions that he is electable, but he has empirical evidence for it too. He has won three statewide elections in red, heavily rural Montana, one for attorney general and two for governor. So he's going to go after the rural voter through, I guess, I mean, I'm not sure how he would do it, but he obviously won over the rural, rural voters in Montana, right? And that's going to be his strategy is to go for that. And, you know, he, a lot of a lot of Democrats are just looking for the guy that can beat Donald Trump. So I guess he's probably going to get onto all of the news shows this weekend, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure by next week sometime he must have, he'll have a, you know, a, a website up and uh, maybe I'll get back to that for like a brief segment of one of the shows and just to see, uh, you know, who he is, what is, what his progressive agenda is and so forth. But that's, I mean, sounds like he might be somebody that if he can get the traction, he might be able to get up there in the polls just because he's a, you know, he's a rural guy. He's a small state guy. He might be able to get those Iowa voters. They said in one of the articles that I read that he's going to be heavily hitting Iowa in the next couple of weeks. So he's going to try to get those voters on board. And then he's going to, uh, I don't know if he'll do very well in New Hampshire, right? Uh, but then when you get down to like South Carolina and stuff, he might be able to do pretty well there because of the rural vote in South Carolina also. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the guy and see where he's at. Um the other thing that I really want to talk to you guys today about was, I, and I've done this, I've done this in the past actually, where I pull up the election betting odds because I always think it's interesting to see where people stand on the election betting odds. This is these are betting websites that post things about the candidates and they let you bet on these candidates on who's going to win uh, the Democratic primary as well as the U.S. presidency and also the Republican primary. So they'll put these odds up, and it gives these guys um, what their percentage rating is, and then you can bet on that. So I think um, President Trump is obviously winning on this, but the reason why I bring these odds up, though, is because statistically in the past, these betting websites get it right because all of the market information is taken into account when someone's putting their money on the line, right? So they're taking in all of the information, where Joe Biden stands, what the last thing he said that might have been a gaffe, what Donald Trump is doing in the White House right now, 
what he's done recently that is going to change the views of people. Possible future scenarios. All of that stuff has to take into account. So when you're just looking at a normal poll, it's where people stand at this moment. So they call up somebody on the phone. They say, so who would you vote for right now if there was a presidential election going? Would you vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden? And they say, oh, I'll go for Donald Trump or I'll go for Joe Biden. And it's based upon emotions at that point, at that immediate point. But when you're looking at these chances of winning on these election odds sites, you're going to be looking at, I mean, you're going to be looking at people that are taking a lot of information in before they're willing to put their money on the line, right? So they're taking in all past, all future, and all present information. They're making their bets based upon that. So usually they're a very good sign of who's going to win, who's going to lose in these elections, right? So Democratic primary right now, you have Joe Biden with a 27.6% chance of winning the Democratic primary, followed close behind, but we know eight points down, uh, you have Bernie, Bernie Sanders. But Joe Biden in the last day has lost 1.2%. And Bernie Sanders has gone up 1.2%. So you're looking at Joe Biden looks like he's going down in these, in these odds right now, whereas Bernie Sanders is slightly going up. And it might just be based upon some uh, basic information, who knows, but it looks like in the last week, Joe Biden, it says, has gone up by 1.3%. And then Bernie Sanders has gone up by 0.6%. So you have them taking away from like the next people in line, I would imagine, is what that would be. So let's go down the list you got. So Joe Biden, 27.6%. Bernie Sanders, 19.6%. Then you got Kamala Harris at 14.5%. Uh, Pete Buttigieg at 7.9% followed by Warren, Elizabeth Warren at 7.4%. Then surprisingly you have um, Andrew Yang at 4.7%, who is actually beating right now uh, Beto O'Rourke, who is at 4.6%. And then you have Tulsi Gabbard at 2.1%. So that's pretty impressive. You got, and I don't know where the polls are at right now specifically, but you got Tulsi Gabbard above Cory Booker, Klobuchar, uh, Clinton, Obama, or yeah, Barack Obama's wife, okay, she's on there, that's funny, uh, Andrew Cuomo, but then you got, like, Castro, Jul- Julian Castro, way down the list, and also Kirsten Gillibrand, way down the list at 0.4% each, then you got Hickenlooper at 0.3%, and, uh, yeah, so, and then you have Other at 3.5%, so Other has a better chance than a lot of these candidates as well, um, even above Tulsi Gabbard, so, but Andrew Yang, that's just surprising that he's beating out Beto O'Rourke. But I think Beto O'Rourke is losing his fire right now. Uh, and people are starting to realize that as well. There's not a lot of fire under his campaign, whereas it was when he first announced. He was like, everyone's excited. He was getting a lot of news coverage and so forth. Uh, Kamala Harris, I think that she is kind of the sleeper cell, or the sleeper in this thing. Um, she is getting a lot of publicity. She's kind of like the, the darling of the press right now. You don't hear a lot of negative things about her, whereas you are hearing negatives about Biden and you're hearing negatives about Bernie Sanders. They're still trying to make Bernie Sanders look out to be like the crazy old man um, in the press. They're trying to discredit him and so forth. So I think that whoever the media chooses, if it's going to be Biden or it's going to be Harris or Buttigieg, or Warren, I don't think they're going to choose Warren, though. So um, 
you're looking at Harris probably being a top contender right now, and I I would hate to predict it, but I would predict that um, she's probably going to start gaining a little bit and that Joe Biden's going to start losing a little bit. Uh, She's... Harris is a rel- relatively strong, like she seems like a relatively strong, independent woman. Um, I know that she has a little bit of baggage from her days as like an attorney general, but we'll see where that goes. I mean, that should be interesting to see where she ends up. She is over the course of the last day, she's lost by lost like 0.2% on these polls, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this is just interesting and, and it probably, you know, these are specific Numbers that people are taking in, like I said, they're taking in possible future scenarios as well as past and as well as current information to make these bets on these candidates. So if I was going to put my money on anybody in the Democratic primary, I would probably throw my money at uh, Joe Biden because he definitely is the one that is most likely able to go against Donald Trump and win. But we shall see. Okay, so now for the chance of winning the presidency, obviously Donald Trump is at the top. The reason why he is at the top is because he is an incumbent. So most likely he's going to get 25, 30, 40 points just just because of that. Followed behind is um, Joe Biden, who has a 16.1% chance of winning the presidency with Bernie Sanders at 10% chance, Harris at 6.3% chance, Buttigieg at 3.9% chance, Warren at 3.6% chance, and then it's just followed down by the same people in the same list, right? Um, Mike Pence, though, is on there at 0.9%, and the reason why Mike Pence would be on there is that there's like a 1% chance or so that would say that Donald Trump is going to decide not to run for president or somehow get booted out of office by that point, right? So then you also have it for the Republican primary. You got Donald Trump, 87.3% chance of winning the Republican primary. You have you have uh, Mike Pence at 2% chance. You have Kasich, John Kasich, uh, Ohio governor, or ex-governor, I think, at 1.5% chance. You have Corker and Rubio at a half percent each. Then you have other at 8.1% chance. So I think people assume that there's about a 10% chance that Donald Trump, because based on, upon this, it looks like there's about a 10 or 11% chance or so. Well, I guess 87.3%, so that would be um, 12.7% chance that says that Donald Trump is not even going to run for president. And the reason why is probably because he would get booted out of office between that now and then, or he just, you know what, throws in the towel and says, I'm sick of this. Um, y'all are trying to beat me up too much, and I'm gone. That would be interesting to see, though, if that happened. That would be uh, unprecedented, I think. But uh, we'll see how that ends up uh, going in the future as well. But that's what these betting odds sites say. And I always think it's interesting. You guys should check it out. I mean, it's it's really interesting to look it up. It's electionbettingodds.com. Uh, and I think it's posted by... Um, it's that guy's name that he used to have the uh, ABC show on uh, 2020, and now he is. And then he had a, uh, another show, John Stossel. That's it. It was, uh, I think it was posted by John Stossel. He's the one that puts that particular website together, and it's really interesting to look at those odds and see. Um, I think John Stossel said it before, like they've predicted the last you know five or six elections or something like that. Um, the betting odds sites are pretty accurate in their predictions. I think that they, I'd like to see if they got it right for Donald Trump or not, though. 
that'd be interesting to see because no one thought that Donald Trump was going to get elected. So, um, but maybe the betting sites did, did who knows, but we'll see how these, I'll, I'll bring these updates to you guys on a regular basis as well on these betting odds sites, uh, as people start to fall out of the, uh, out of the race on the democratic side. I mean, you got, if you have 22 people running, I could only imagine that in the next couple of months, people are going to start dropping like flies because I mean, like an Amy Klobuchar, some of these other candidates that, I mean, Cory Booker, they're just not getting any traction right now. So will that help them out? But if they don't get into the, um, into the debates, then I imagine they'd have to drop out anyway. They definitely would have to drop out if they don't get into the debates. And that's the goal, that 65,000 individual contributors, or I think it's like 1% of the total vote. Um, and I think those are the those are specifically the stipulations that they're looking for, um, but we'll see. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you coming out and listening. Uh, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to the show, if you like what you hear, go ahead and do that. You can do that uh, on any of your podcatchers. I'm on Apple and Google and you know Stitcher and all those. So pretty much anywhere you could subscribe to the show, so then you can hear the show tomorrow. And if you really like what you hear, go ahead and give me a five star rating and review after you subscribe. And then if you want to hear more or you want to see more, or you want to read more, IonTheEmpire.com. Every so often I'm actually posting some uh, personal reflections as well on the Empire. But, uh, you know, I'm doing a little bit of blogging there as well. But I'm also posting lots and lots of news articles for you to read, both from the press in the United States as well as worldwide. Because I want to give you guys all the points of view. I, want to, I even go to like an Iranian newspaper and a Syrian newspaper every so often just so I could see what their propaganda is over there to see how they're framing it for their people because then you can see what's in the minds of those people when they talk about it for example one of the things before that i uh, i looked I, I posted was the way that the syrians are describing the u.s occupying force and they call it the occupied territories of the united states and so that's going to start leading them to start thinking in a negative way towards america being an occupier of their of their land right and that's definitely not a good thing uh, to be looked at as an occupier. So, but I want to give you guys all of the, you know, the ways that these people are thinking about these things. And that's what I do there. So you can do that at IonTheEmpire.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. If you just type in I on the Empire, uh, you'll be able to find me there as well. But anyway, come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. This is I on 2020.